Atkinson, Downey, all in the game. City Talk 105.9. Uh, Louisa King there, just at extra time. Dave, you, were, you weren't happy with the treatments? Uh, I, well, I was happy with her treatments of the lads. She kept them well in check, and unlike, you know, other presenters we have at this station. Not mentioning any names, but... Uh, she even got them talking about Everton, I believe. I know, there was Everton talk. They said Everton. You know, they, they, they talked about players that play for Everton. Modern day ones, not like, you know, Joe Max Moore, for instance, or... Bob Latchford. Yes, people like that. Uh, Ryan Lowe sitting there talking about Everton. Never seen the like before. Brian Lebeau. Unbelievable, and you know, I know we're vastly ahead of them in the, in the ratings and all that. And on, Howard Kendall. on Monday nights, yeah, all of those names, and it was just it was fascinating to hear them talk about Everton for once. But we're here to continue that as well, aren't we? Well, we we, we can talk about Everton now. I actually wanted to mention Brian the Bones here about how his pictures are all up in there. It's fantastic. It's great to see his pictures are all up in the bars in the bottom end of town. Really? Yeah, all in the Exchange Bar and the Pig and Whistle. There's low because that's where I think Brian himself, you know, he was because he was so well respected by everyone yeah. on both sides, and his pictures are there. And it led me to think. That the idea that was a period of time there that in the mid sixties you couldn't get a drink in those boozers unless Lebone unless you were at you you were with Lebone yeah, yeah and then up Bold Street belonged to Alan Ball <laughs> all the uh, all the the, the mid sixties Everton midfield had divided up town amongst them yeah we could do the mid sixties midfield I could score a goal at the moment couldn't we I think well that's that's the killing thing I think now you know looking at that I was paying attention to the game on Saturday and speaking to the Blues now as it's knocking around the place it's it's frustrating I think isn't it you know it's it, it's basically if there was just that bit more cutting edge um, morale. I think he flatters to deceive a little bit at the moment in this side. It's it's frustrating from an Evertonian perspective, and on Saturday from a Liverpoolian perspective. Uh, yeah, absolutely, it was, it was, honestly, I mean, uh, I'm going bald anyway. But there was a, a few less hair follicles left after that. I just uh, the thing about it is for me, Morales was uh, a really good striker when he played over in Greece for Olympiacos. He averaged one and two, um, and for me, that is the only option you've got in the situation we're in at the moment uh, and the situation we were in obviously Lukaku will be back next week um, but you know he's, he's, a, he's a striker he came to the club as a striker Moyes uh, converted him to a right midfield uh, right winger um, to I don't know what sort of modicum of success you'd, you'd say it is because I mean, a lot of times you, you talk about frustration. He is one that will really, really have you pulling your hair out because he gets in some fantastic positions and the final ball isn't there or his intelligence as a player, I think you can question when he's, he gets in these positions. His finishing's fine. He's a good uh, dead, but he's a dead ball specialist. He's up there with Baines now. Using him in the way we use him in the absence of a striker, I think, is quite strange because he's the only option to play there for me. Stephen Naismith got the call late because Chayore got injured. Mm. Um, okay, we spoke about how industrious he is as a player, um, and and yet, yet he can finish. But I just think Morales offers that bit of pace. I don't think Naismith's that quick. But the, 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 that's back to going back to when what we say about playing one up front. If you play one up front, the one's got to have some special. You yeah. know, it's got to have something very special at something. Unless you've got a fantastic midfield behind him. You He's mm. got to have some sort of physical gift, uh, you know, that, that really marks him out as someone who, who plays in that position. You know, he's got to be some player, I think, to do it. There are very few players who aren't sort of, in some way, shape or form, physically dominant who, 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 who are asked to do it. Van Persie's sort of one, but he's ultimately hewn with class yeah. and often he's got Rooney behind him both under Ferguson and now under Moyes so it's more of a it's more of a 4-4-1-1 than, a, than, than, than 
just the one being up front completely on his own. I think it's uh, I think it's difficult for Naismith. I feel a little sorry for Naismith. I, I wonder whether or not it is. It's sort of like it feels like that's the solution because Naismith's more of a sort of a centre-forward type and Morales, because he carries it past people's more of a wide man type. But it could just be counterintuitive that. It could be mm. better the other way around. Use Naismith as the, the awkward, angular, target wide man, getting in people's faces, pinning people back, winning his battles... Well, he was always a foil at Rangers, funnily enough, behind Jelovic. And I think that's a role where he could really thrive. And he's only ever played there a handful of games. One in which, all right, it was a pre-season friendly, but he scored a hat-trick on his debut playing that sort of role just behind the striker. Maybe that's his true calling, but, you know, it, it, you struggle to sort of see that actually happening because um, Martinez's substitutions of... Being peculiar to me lately, uh, he took Stephen. He took Stephen just to go off the boil a bit. He took Stephen Pienaar off uh, against Spurs when he, he was real crucial to what we were doing down yeah. there, and uh, he took Leon Osman off. And I'm not Aussie's biggest fan, um, you know, to say the least. But he, he he was important for us against Chelsea. I thought he, he he gave us real tempo in the midfield. He probably had our best two chances in the game as well. He brought him off for Ross Barkley, who we'll probably get onto in a little while. Um, it, it just seems very jumbled and very... It's a mixed bag at the moment for Everton. And, and sort of, that, that's the concern I said to you. We look tired. I thought that energy was back on Saturday. First half, I thought we were fantastic. Yeah. Um, but it, it just it just, it just just feels like, direction-wise, that you know players are square pegs and round all sort of thing. Well, that, that, it's interesting that you mentioned the Barkley thing. I actually think that, and I'm not saying this, this this, this feels like it's that sort of banter-stroke needle that you get. I actually think the Merseyside Derby's done Everton a fair bit of damage. Yeah. And I think the reason why it did was because I think two or three players, and Barkley's a great example, but two or three players were very much rushed back for it. And it seems like they, they, they just haven't been able to get back into the stride that they had if they could have been managed better. And I understand why. You know, it's easy to, to get on a manager's back about things like this. It's a game. It was a game that Everton very much wanted to win. Supporters, manager, you know, undoubtedly the Everton board. Everyone wanted to go and win there. It could have, if if Everton had won there, you know, as a gamble, so got something out of the game, got three points, that it would have kicked them on in the idea of coming in the top four. It all makes sense to me as to why it's happened, but it does seem as though because two or three of those players were chanced on to come back in that game, they just simply haven't been able to get back to the level that they were. Prior to their injuries, yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Yeah, in, certainly in Barkley's case, I think you know you, you, you've got to put it in context. He's a, he's a young lad, his first start in an Anfield derby. Um, you know, the, the manager's obviously got. He, he had a good, he had a good twenty minutes, half an hour. He had that great shot. You know, mm. you know that goes in bad, and then, you know you're talking about a different, probably a different player, even up to where we are now. Um, but for a young, such a young lad to go in. Head first to the Merseyside derby is a hundred percent. One, I think, obviously shows his, his youthful naivety, and two, I think, you know, the manager's gone in the dressing room and said, "Look, lads, we're short of numbers here. Can can you do a job for me?" Mm. And it wouldn't surprise if Ross Barkley's gone up to him and said, "Look, Gaffer, I'm hundred percent here. I, w- I want to play in this game. Absolutely. How do we make it? A, you know, what do we need to do to make sure I play in this you'd game ex- to everything that we can? You'd expect nothing less as well, and um, it's been to his detriment, unfortunately. I mean. I'm, I'm not seen it. <laughs> I've not seen a substitute appearance like that before. Uh, he himself, I mean, there was a point where Everton had a break on in the second half, and he just dissected Seamus Coleman, and uh, I think it was Morales on the right hand side, and put the ball out of play. And it was like, have you seen Space Jam? Yeah, <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was like the, when the talent goes out of the basketball players. It was like that. He just, he just stood there, like did like a double take and sort of like shook his head, like, "Hang on, what have I just done there?" Yeah, uh, and I think. 
I, I don't know. He's not the type, I don't think, where bench time will help him. You know, you normally save a younger player, pull him out, maybe give him some time in the under-21s. I don't necessarily think that's the way for Ross because, I mean, he had them spells on loan at Leeds, Sheffield United, as well, Sheffield Wednesday as well. They benefited him because he was getting real games out in front of real crowds. I think he's that type of intensity player. But, like, that, you know, a lot of people com- compare him to Gascoigne. Mm. That's the type of thing Gascoigne loved, the big crowd, the big occasion. But the problem that you've got there, though, is that if he's not getting Start if he, if he's if, if when he starts it's the detriment to the side yeah. then it's difficult you know in because Everton are now in a little bit of a mini slump mm. you know they're struggling to convert draws back into wins they're not no, no one's rolling them over no one's making Everton looked after at this stage of proceedings mm. that's not happening but you know when 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 draws when draws that should be wins are staying as draws when we you know when 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 things that could be draws are becoming defeats this is where you know every game it seems at the moment you feel as though Everton have got the the score line beneath the one that they deserve. They've got the of win-lose draw. They've got the one they shouldn't have got. Yeah, it's uh, it's very hard luck at the moment, I think, with Everton. And uh, we play that card rather well, don't we? Uh, we have but, but, you haven't, but you haven't done this season up to this point. I mean, no. that's, that's the key thing to point out, is that you know it's been very much about what, what it is that you're about. And I actually think it's been interesting looking at the, the Evertonian responses to the results on, on Saturday, because it was, yeah, it's hard luck, but it was also, but we've got to start doing these things better. You know, it wasn't just as simple as we've had something stolen off us here last minute. Because I I think that there was also the general feeling that if you'd have got a draw, you'd have come away from the game thinking we could have won there. Mm. There, there was a there's a, a thing going around. I mean, you've seen Everton been fantastic PR-wise. The club's been great doing mm. um, putting things on for fans and all sorts of stuff they've been doing this season. They've been absolutely phenomenal. And um, I, I put a question out there on Twitter a couple of weeks ago saying, do you think that sort of nicely, nicely approach is sort of transferred onto the field? Because uh, someone pointed out that we didn't get one yellow card against away at Spurs, and uh, just the, the sort of contrast with that, by bringing big Duncan Ferguson into the uh, coaching yeah. staff, and we did see a more aggressive Everton, I thought, against Chelsea. We give away a lot of fouls, uh, whether that's a coincidence or not, it probably is, but um, I do feel as if you sort of can fall into that sort of, we're a nice club, and and that sort of mentality. Well, you don't want to be plucky Everton. No, that's it, and, and the, that's the funny thing, Neil, because we've been trying to shake that tag for so, so long. No, you don't want to be plucky Everton. The, the way not to be plucky Everton is to win football matches, yeah. and that's the way in which you stop being called plucky and you just get called successful. But it's that, it's that aggression. Martin, as earlier this season, and Brendan Rodgers as well spoke about arrogance. We spoke about it a lot on the show. Um, I'd like to see some real aggression now, because we, we have... We have players who look like nice guys. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'd like to see some some real aggression and, and I do think we saw that against Chelsea. And I think that that you know, it could only bode well for the side if we saw that. Um you know it it, it, it's at that stage of the season as well where it's a crucial, crucial time and I think it's what we've won one in five four points out the last 15 I mean it, 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 it'd be a real shame if the season sort of peters out I don't think it will because we have Lukaku to come back we've got you know almost the full fit squad you've now got, You've got a lot to play for I think yeah. that's the key thing there's a lot to play it will be, I think it would be a big deal if Everton could finish fifth this season I think it would oh, be yeah. significant to the club it would indicate that the season that everyone said it was transition became about yeah. t- became instead of about taking a step forward so you know what I mean it was it, it, we didn't just do transition, we also improved. Well, I think it'd be major. Having transition whilst consolidating that tag of the best of the rest, I think it's fantastic for Roberto Martinez. And certainly if the rest include Manchester United. Exactly, and it's a real foundation to kick on in the summer and, and towards next year because obviously we've been told that the funds are available in the summer. I, I think there'll be a quite a big overhaul in the summer player-wise. Um, I may surprise a few people considering the finances we've had historically, but I, I certainly see, you know, four, five, six, half a dozen, good half a dozen players I think in, in attacking positions as well coming in over the summer. And I think if we can get 
to this season, like you say, fifth to be, I think fifth to be a real achievement for Everton. Well, it would anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that on the back of mm. being scrapping for fourth all season. Fifth to be a, quite a phenomenal achievement for Everton, considering what, everything that's gone. Um, I don't think fourth, I mean, it, it's, it'd be eight points if we win that game in hand against Palace. You know, you, you've still got Spurs. I, I think finishing above Spurs, I think, is a, a, be, be a real good achievement now. I think that the, the the other thing is as well, it's this knocking off thing. I think that's the, you know, that's the frustration there at the weekend. It's And I, I don't know if that is aggression, if it's that the goalkeeper, we're going to talk about the Liverpool goalkeeper in a bit, but if the goalkeeper wants to stay on his line too much, I don't know quite what it is, but it is this, this sense that you've got to... You know, it's 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 frustrating there that the, the, the nature of that final goal—it's it's a last-minute goal that you shouldn't be conceding. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's something which you you'd like to see a, a side sort of not have within it. But the problem is, you know, look at the other way. Look at what Chelsea are good at. Chelsea are historically good at that sort of, you know, seizing that sort of last-minute moment, putting the, the the difficult delivery to defend mm. in, making sure. I mean, Lampard is, I think, the quintessential percentage footballer. You know, everything Lampard's done, pretty much since he moved from West Ham to Chelsea, has been based upon percentage. Yeah. And people say, oh, you know, doesn't he get lucky with a lot of deflections? <coughs> doesn't he get lucky with a lot of set pieces? No, he just does loads of percentage stuff. Yeah. That means that you're likely to get a little bit of luck. If you see what, if you do this, and you are more likely to get yeah. what, what will be referred to as a little bit of luck. And that's what Everton came up against. It was, and, and the, you know, the goal itself, I mean, it was it was laughable from a defensive point of view because I can't believe how deep we dropped anyway on a set piece, which is, what, 35 yards out from goal. You can argue all day about whether it's a free kick or not. It doesn't really matter. You, that should be simple defended, particularly at that stage of the game as well where you, you, your defence is meant to be focused, it's meant to be, you know, coherent it's particularly when you're seeing out a decent draw away, at, you know, the team that's top of the league and um, Tim Howard's becoming a bit of an issue I think um, a, a lot of he divides a fi- opinion much the same way I think Mignolet does. Do you think he'll become part of the overhaul that you've referred to? Uh, it's a good question I don't I don't think I don't think Martinez sees it as a priority position. To and I, he obviously likes um, Joel Robles as well. Uh, he's given him a few games. He doesn't necessarily look like the answer. His distribution is not great either. I think Martinez is really looking for a goalkeeper long term mm. who, who's, who's a great distributor because that's obviously how he wants to play. Uh, he obviously signed that 17 year old kid in the transfer window with a view to the future. Um, I think it'd be a position he, he will address eventually, but I don't see it being one of his priorities. So therefore, then you said before yourself, you know, fifth now be the, you know, be the, be well worth it for Everton. Uh, would mean that the, the campaign's ultimately been a successful one. Walk away and say, you know, we uh, take that. It's now though a matter of of this cup game next week. I think. I think that you know, if because you'd all obviously take eighth in the cup. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean that's that, that's the reality of it. And, and you know I. Arsenal don't look fantastic still you know they've, they've pushed on against Sunderland there if, and it's interesting that you mention aggression it, you do think that this is an Arsenal side that, that can take the odd game a little bit too lightly that can mm. that can be knocked off the knocked off the pace a little bit Everton got at the main lead in the season with with, 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 with arrogant football it could be aggression football that gets them through the cup tie up to and including a replay yeah absolutely yeah um, and, and you know it's you need I hate to say it, but you need a good referee down there uh, obviously we've seen with our web with Liverpool but um, I'm I, I mean, a good referee is in Arsenal. Do cry a lot. They play. They have players who do look to the ref quite a lot. And I yeah. think if you do get aggressive down there, I think that is potentially to your downfall, isn't it? Because you, you'll have a referee who blows up every few minutes, then that aggression sort of going to get a, out of hand. But I'd, I'd like to think we can go there and actually, we, we will have a fully fit squad by then. We'll have Lukaku as well to play. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm confident of that about that cup tie I think. We can at least get a replay out. So we get a replay out. So I think there's no doubt that we'll go through because I, I think 
I think part of this frustration and stuff, eventually, that always turns to anger. I think, and I'd like to see an angry Everton. To be mm. honest with you, and under the under the lights of at Goodison midweek, yeah, exactly. Uh, everyone howl on the mon. I think it would be. I I, th- I think it'd be a fantastic occasion. And yeah. I, I actually think I, I expect Everton to go through in the tie. As as nonsensical as that sounds, you know, mm. Arsenal are a really good side, but I think Everton will do enough down there to to bring it back to Goodison and then kick on. Do you think? Um, I mean, Arsenal play Bayern. I think four days after that. Mm. Do you think they'll still have an eye on that? Yeah, I think they've got to. I think it's ludicrous if they don't. I, I hated all the. Uh, it was it, it was ridiculous to see Jamie Carragher say that they should play the reserves in Bayern Munich. Uh, should go to Munich and play the reserves it was mm. was just ridiculous. From Carragher, he was three 0 down in the European Cup final. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's probably it's the like, worst person to yeah, say that. You know, it's like Jay. You know, you you don't pack in. Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, he said you know it'd be pra- and everyone's saying it'd be practically impossible for Arsenal to win two 0 in Munich. Well, they did last season, lads. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, I think that if you're Bayern Munich, you're going into that game not wanting to concede the first goal mm. and I think that the, you know if, if, I, if it was Liverpool going to that situation I'd be, I'd be thinking you know it's going to be really tough for us but if we score first and we hold it until 70 then we've got every chance because the last thing that they will want is you know is is, is is 20 minutes of nervous football well that's what it was like when you drew four all at Chelsea that time wasn't it that, that's what actually happened mm. that's what well, yeah the very that, that one we were th- it was uh, we got beat 3-1 in the home uh, went to their place and scored two mm. uh, which made it 3-3 on aggregate before they even knew what was going on and then we got into half time and uh, that game it sort of lives in the memory because I thought Liverpool came out second half and they were just a, uh, you know and this is it, all these things are always ironic when you think about the way in which Benitez is is, is caricatured but they were just a little bit too gung ho straight mm. after the break and they got picked off by Chelsea yeah, by that, that, that is the danger isn't it when yeah. you've got to go there and but score that, but that's where you get it wrong I mean this is where I'm sure you know I'm sure Benitez probably would have wanted them to be a little bit calm but footballers are footballers and mm. you want to get out and you want to get into people when you're ahead in a football match and I actually thought of that game you know if they'd have just come out and if it had been still 2-0 half an hour to go half an hour ages yeah. in a football match but actually talk about time uh, yeah let's get philosophical after the break talking about Liverpool we're actually going to talk about <laughs> the fact that, 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 that Liverpool basically uh, treat every single moment wherein they have the ball as though they've only got nine seconds with which to either score or finish the move and if they don't the ball will go off because it is a bomb <laughs> uh, this is City Talk 105.9 this is all in the game Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey uh, don't go anywhere <laughs> It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It's all in the game. City Talk 105.9. Uh, Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey moving our way through until 7 o'clock with you. We're going to talk about Liverpool now briefly and then we're going to get back into one of the things we like to discuss every other month and that's who's going to go down, Dave? I'll give you some time yeah, to think about better, that one. It's hotting up. <laughs> it's, hotting up. it's hotting up at the bottom. Um, or oh, I very much enjoyed, if you haven't seen it, um, search for Andy Thomas's fantastic piece today. Uh, who's going to win the Red Hot Battle for, battle for eighth? <laughs> <laughs> Between Newcastle and Southampton. Hey, you know, did you hear Pardew yesterday? Oh, God. Apparently, Everton are having the, the season of their lives and uh, Newcastle are trying to catch them. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what he said, yes. Oh, God, it's, it's getting real. It's yeah. getting real for Newcastle United. Looking over our shoulder now. Yeah, and that red-hot battle for eighth. Uh, it doesn't get better, yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about Liverpool first and foremost. Um, Liverpool are the oddest Liverpool team you've ever seen in your life. And... I'm very, very interested in, and we didn't get onto it on the Anfield rap, so I've not discussed this really, Dave, with anyone. But it's the it's the, the manager's post-match comments uh, about the defenders. I think it's mm. telling, don't you? I mean, it's 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 very rare. In fact, I think it's it's, it's only the second time it's happened. You could accuse Rodgers of having had a bit of a public pop at any of his any of his players yeah. under any circumstances, and he seems to have made made it crystal clear there between a 60th minute substitution uh, for, for for the centre half mm. combined with, with with what he said after the game that he's deeply unhappy with with, with what he said. 
centre halves are doing, and his goalkeeper. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's it's a really strange situation, isn't it? Because it, it's almost like he's managing two teams, isn't it? At the moment, I mean, yeah. you got you got an attacking front six who's just phenomenal, and you know you, you can't heap enough praise on them and then you've got this Sunday league amateur style defence that just doesn't know what it's doing here. Uh, epitomised obviously by that substitution I mean Colo Torre's been calamitous at times in the last few weeks and he's been brought on to steady the ship you know there's a great that in that there's huge connotations isn't there in that it's notion just, like, we're bringing Colo on to calm it down yeah. um, and, and I, th- I, th- I think Colo's fascinating this because I actually think Colo's talks is to- is to- all season has talked a great game yeah. uh, he's not played one <laughs> <laughs> but he's talked one, and even on the pitch yesterday, it was wonderful to watch. The the ball would be. He, he, he came on and the first thing he did. He just said to everyone, "Just calm down." There's yeah. like, he was pointing at his wrist like there's loads left. Just calm it down. Let's just knock it round. The ball will come back to him, and he go, "Oh my god, yeah. it's got to go!" Yeah. And then he kick it as far as humanly possible, <laughs> and then it, it begins to everyone right. Can we all just calm it down, lads? You think Colo? This yeah. is you. It's like a slapstick Hollywood film at times, isn't it? But but I think it's I think it's fast. I <coughs> I think mm. it ultimately comes down to the fact that Brendan Rodgers has made a series mm. of decisions and. He's making decisions that very much suit everyone on the pitch going forward, including his fullbacks to a certain mm-hmm. extent. They should everyone on the pitch going forward, and they really very much don't suit his two centre halves and his holding midfielder and his goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, I, I, you know, it was fascinating to watch how exposed Gerard was. And I thought Gerard, under the circumstances, it was quite difficult to judge whether or not he had a good game. Yeah. Because he was so exposed, you can't expect him to do everything. So therefore, at times he can't do anything mm. against Swansea. Uh, certainly in that first sort of half an hour, forty minutes, where, where you know, where in Liverpool just decided they wanted Shelby to get his goal. Um, they were willing him on. Uh, you know, it's this odd thing. And uh, but Gerard's playing well, and there's no getting away from that. And he looked better again when Alan came on. He and his last fifteen minutes in the game were his best 15 minutes in the game but there's this thing at centre half and I think David ultimately comes down to this the manager wants centre backs who win the battles one on one that's what he wants that's what he wants and it's I think the essence of a good defender anyway isn't it I mean it, it's, a, it's a natural thing for the defender you'd think so but yeah. I think that there's a lot of defenders who you know to whom they, they, they never have to do that you, mm. you, you know these days you, you're brought up playing with two lads in front of your screen you've got your full backs next to you the goalkeeper comes for a lot of stuff which ours doesn't and I think that's partially a weakness in the personnel but I think that these defenders that Liverpool have got I think Agger in particular is a very very weak one on one defender I think he's very weak uh, both, both physically weak at times but also it's the extent to which he enjoys the act of defending one on one he wants to be the lad who comes across and covers he wants to be the lad who plays that brings the ball yeah. out to defence he wants to do the other stuff whereas if Wilfred Brony decides I'm going to go and stand on you then you've got to have an answer for yeah. that Agger's that lad isn't he who collects the ball after there's been a 50-50 he's the lad who brings it out perfectly nice white coloured boots that have another mark on them he's that type of player and there's room for that in football particularly these days I mean it's David Luiz at Chelsea's probably a lesser example of it but I, I, I think you know Rogers said himself in his press conference I think and it was a, was a slight dig at Agger you're talking about he he doesn't really publicly criticise much. I think last week he said, uh, when questioned about Aga not getting a game, he said, I want my defenders to defend firstly. And I think that was an eye towards Aga. Well, I think he wants Aga angry. It wouldn't surprise me if Aga starts again against Southampton, mm. certainly if Sarko isn't fit, because Aga's, all of Aga's best performances, the ones that stick in my memory, are ones that have come after 
feeling as though he's been personally um, embarrassed or he's been personally motivated. Mm. So the two that stick out to me is when we went to Chelsea and he, he you know, he put an elbow in Torres's face first, the first three minutes, yeah. which you don't see him doing to Wilfred Boney. Do you think it's an ego thing with him? Yeah, I think well, he, yeah, he because comes across as a real. I mean, I, I, I don't know the man. Like you say, we can only read between the lines. No, we can, well, we can never know the man really. Yeah. But no, when you say an ego thing, I think yeah, I think he's clearly got a great deal of professional pride, but he doesn't come across as someone who loves defending. Mm. And when that pride has peaked, you know. Then he looks like he loves defending. So when that he was made up, utterly made up when we that, that when we went to Chelsea under Dalglish, uh, played the three at the back, and he just got in Torres's face, gave him a torrent ninety. We kept a clean sheet and we won the game. And he's made up. It's huge professional pride. I've put one mm. over on him there. I don't like him. I put one over on him. Sim Lee was fantastic uh, after he got made to show off by Drogba at Stamford Bridge mm. over the European Cup semi final. He scored, and he and Drogba barely got a kick because. The week before, I've been made to look really, really poor. I'm standing up for myself. I'm going to perform far better than mm-hmm. that. But to be a genuinely top-quality centre-back, that's got to be every week. That's got to be every time you take to the pitch, that you show that sort of level of aggression. And certainly the way in which, as I say, I think Rogers wants his centre-halves that win the personal battle one-on-one. I'll win me battle. That's the thing I'll do. I'll do everything I can. I will be better than the person who's opposite me. It's funny you say that. I mean, I, I remember interviewing Sylvan Distan once a couple of years ago, and uh, I think it was Chelsea coming up with Everton were playing, and he said, I said, oh, you know, you've got Didier Drogba there, and funnily enough, you've got Lukaku on the bench as well. I said, wherever you look, you're going to have a striker who's, like, physically, you know, domineering, and, uh, you, you know, you must sort of approach these games with trepidation he goes no I love it yeah so that's why I'm in the gym every day around here he said I love that challenge I love I love building myself up for them games I love challenging myself physically against these type of defenders don't get that sort of vibe with Daniel Aga no and I think that this is past the, past the problem and I, as I say it wouldn't scale however <laughs> well, scale, well scale yes and no I think even scale's got this I think uh, the scales I I think scale's problem is scale's 7 out of 10 at everything and I think that that's that's fine mm. uh, in, the, in that, if that's your, that if that's your third centre half if you've got your two starters and then you've got the this lad who comes in, who's good in the air but not great, who's reasonably quick but not lightning, who's strong but not but, but you know struggles when he comes up against a Benteke, but does fine with an Olivier Giroud. You know that's yeah. that's Skirtle yeah. for you. That's the way Skirtle breaks himself down. Um, I think that that's fine. I think that the Aga problem is he'd look fantastic playing for Barcelona. Mm. And he'd look fantastic in a setup with two holding midfielders in front of him, ensuring he doesn't get exposed uh, in this sort of manner. But the reality of his of his week to week football situation at the moment is that is not what is going to happen for him. Does there ever become a situation where, and and would it come to that extreme where Rodgers would have to sacrifice one of those like golden front six? To sort of bolster that defence. Well, I'd like to. I, my, my frustration was to be fair to the, the centre half Anthony Gerrard at the weekend. The one thing I would have liked to have seen happen at two 0 would have been Henderson just told to sit next to Gerrard to, to half time, and then if we go and get another one, and I actually wondered if we'd have been playing Everton, if we'd mm. been playing Arsenal, if that would have happened, if there would have been this idea of you know. We just now get through to half-time. If we can hit them on the break, because we're great at that, we sit in a little bit, Do you two sit in front, maybe pull the wide players in a little bit deeper, and then we see if we can explode at them and go. But there was, you know, for, the, for, for, for Shelby's goal, and it wasn't the first time it had happened, you know, Jordan Henderson was just caught out as the furthest man mm. forwards, not not long before. And instead, I think there was a real desire amongst Liverpool to put, to go to go 3-0. 2-0's alright, lads. It'll be alright, yeah. and it could become three anyway. You don't need to force the issue. So, you know, there's... This is where I feel a little bit sorry for the centre half because all game he's watching Boney drop ten yards off him, win it off his chest, either off his feet, off his off his chest or in the air. Gerard doesn't appreciate 
in yet because he will because he's brilliant he'll work it out mm. but in the way in which Lucas is very good at closing that little diagonal ball into the yeah. forward off you know just knowing if I'm just here he's not going to try that pass because he knows he's likely to give it to me Gerard's got a host of skills but these little things that Lucas has been doing now for eight years and Gerard's he's not been to, yeah, it, has he? yeah and uh, you know Ger- but Gerard's got so much so much other stuff that he brings so I, you know I've, I've got sympathy with them in a sense but Ultimately, they either need they either need to do the thing that they're being asked to do, or go in the summer. And I say that of all the Liverpool centre backs, they either need to do the thing that they're being asked to do, and and, and of the goalkeeper, do the thing that you, that the manager wants you to do, or just say I can't do it. It's not for me. For the, 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 I, the thing I was come back to is there's no bad players. You know, mm. the level that we watch football at, there really isn't any yeah. bad players. If yeah. you see a real bad player, then he's some, he's looked his way in and he won't he won't pull it off for long. Yeah. He'll eventually get pulled back down to, down to his level. Daniel Agger's clearly not a bad player. He's a he's an international footballer of the, of, of the highest standard, um, but he might not suit what this team wants and if he doesn't suit what this team wants then the best thing he could do would be go and earn huge amounts of money playing for another team it would almost certainly be challenging for the title in in their relevant division in the same way Liverpool are now Mm. where he fits and I think instead there's that real sort of feeling of yeah he's got YNWA tattoos on his knuckles but you've got to live the ethos of the team that you're playing in. And the team that he's playing in now doesn't have two holding midfielders in front of it, doesn't want a centre-half who looks like a Rolls-Royce, it wants a centre-half who scraps for everything, yeah. who, 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 who welcomes a physical challenge when it rocks up at his ground. Yeah. You don't want to see, you'll never walk alone for blood, do you? That's that, that's the idea of it, isn't it? And that's, I think that's what the manager wants. I think that, and, and, it, it's, and this is when it's interesting when you said before, it's like he's, he's managing two different teams. Mm. I think in a sense he sort of is. Yeah. I think he sort of wants, you know, he wants... Essentially, centre halves who are like prop forwards in rugby union, you know, who will, who will, who will, who will, you know, cover themselves in their own blood if need be. But the thing is, well, you go in at half time, like he must have yesterday, and you're three two up in a game. How do you give a one mass team talk then? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, yeah. All right, let's divide us up. You stand there. Yeah. You've done great. You just wait outside. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you lads, and I think that, that I, I, I think that that's the difficulty, and I think. Ultimately, I think that I, that was Liverpool's worst defensive performance of the season. I don't expect that you'll see Liverpool defenders poorly as mm-hmm. that again. It was partially the situation, it was partially the nature of the game, it was partially the opponents who did really well against Liverpool, by the way, because mm-hmm. they don't oh, get yeah. the credit they deserve. Boney was actually just excellent and would have given anyone a tough game. Mm-hmm. The way he was playing, the way they, fl- they were flipping the wire men coming in, adding up on Gerrard, Liverpool then went coping with that and dropping it. You know, there's loads and loads of little bits of stuff to that, but what I think's massive is, I think Sarko, I think ultimately, when... The manager comes out and he says, there's issues that can't be coached. I think he's saying it, it's about the personal approach. And Sarko this season, and I'm, I agree with the manager, in that Sarko this season hasn't been, when he played, exceptionally impressive. But what's impressed you is the way he's gone about his business. Mm. There's no ball, he doesn't think, I'll go and win. There's no time he does it, he shakes. There's no challenge he says, that's not for me. Every single time there's been a football available to be won in a 50-50 or a 30-70, he's gone at it full-blooded. And I think that you go back to, you know, you go back to, I don't like sort of talking just about United, but to use what Ferguson did with Vidic and Ferdinand at their best, with Yapstam at his best. Mm. These are lads I trust to do everything you need to do to be a centre-back. Everything. Mm. And Sarko seems more like one of them than the idea of... And I think that, you know, this comes back to us being counterintuitive and deciding, well, Skirtle and Agus should be a good partnership because he does this stuff and he does this Mm. stuff and all this works. You need now... Well, Liverpool need the way they're playing to have two centre-backs who both do everything. 
who are both brilliant in the air, who both come for everything, who both got natural pace, who win the battles, who can distribute it reasonably well. They need to. And then they'll just become a pair because they'll be two really good players. And the essence of that, like you say, is actually enjoying what you're actually doing with your job, isn't it? But tell me a little bit, before we go to a break, tell me a little bit more about Mignolet, how you feel about him. Well, Mignolet, I think this is all part of the same problem, and that's again why I, you know, I, I feel like I'm slaughtering the centre-halves here. And it, it, it's made, the, problem, but the other problem the centre-halves have got is... If you play centre back, I think you've got uh, you've got a radi- you've got a diameter of area that's your responsibility. And the problem that that the Liverpool centre backs have got at the moment is what should be ten yards of responsibility behind them has become twenty. Mm. So therefore, you're even more conscious and you're even more aware of you know because he's coming for nothing. Uh, and he's taking that now to, to an extreme that's almost ridiculous. Is that just modern day goalkeeping though? Because I mean, I, German I, I've, keepers. I've had enough of it with Tim Howard to be honest with you. German keepers. German. I mean, Neuer doesn't come for much. You shot know. stopping isn't enough, is it? Well, but but uh, for a lot of these lads, if, yeah. if you're that good, that's it. You know what I mean? If you if you save that much, then it sort of becomes it. But but Mignolet took it to almost like a satirical extreme against Swansea. That was the problem. It was stuff that even the most, you know, even the most line based goalkeeper would have just stepped out five yards and dealt with balls trickling through that you just come for mate you know Skirtle's guiding this back and, and in all these things football's not played in a vacuum Liverpool go to Southampton next week Southampton will devour the DVD of this game mm. so they'll play on that so now Liverpool's centre-halves go into this next week knowing not just that the goalkeeper's not coming for much but that the opponents know he's not coming for much so I've, not, I've now got even more to worry about behind yeah. me because they're going to look to try to take that off mm. and it, there was stuff, as I say, there was stuff where I accept, and I've been, I've been quite, quite soft on Mignolet because I've accepted the, there's going to be rough with smooth, the stuff he can do, the stuff he can't do so well, but it got to the point on Sunday where there was things that he wasn't doing that were just almost beyond a joke. Mm. To say you're not coming for anything's one thing, but when the ball's past the penalty area, perhaps penalty spot, and you're still on your heels. And there's, you know, and the lad's ten yards away, but he, yeah. but he looks favourite, so therefore Skirtle's got to clear it out yeah. for a throw-in. You know, this is this is this is getting to the point now where you know it, it's unmanageable, and it, you're making these lads who are struggling enough in front of you, you're making their jobs harder. Yeah. So I think that that's the problem, really. But anyway, let's get to a break, otherwise I could go all night. Uh, <laughs> and we didn't even talk about time. This is City Talk 105.9, and this is the uh, this is this is all in the game. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. <laughs> It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. City Talk 105.9, all in the game. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey have been told to talk faster because uh, the, end, the end approaches faster than we thought uh, this week on City Talk. Dave, uh, who's going to go down? Cardiff, uh, Fulham and I think West Brom. Do you think West Brom? Yeah, because West Brom's points per game is like has become this sort of like one. <laughs> well, exactly, it's become a sort of platonic <laughs> ideal of what you need to stay up. Like yeah. they've just gone now. We'll just keep getting one every week, lads. Yeah, it's mad. I think. I just, I just think that the longer you go with the new manager, not winning a game, I just think it, it can't be, it can't be good. I mean, they do. I think they drawn five out of six under him. Yeah, uh, four of them won all bizarrely. Uh, both against Everton, Liverpool as well. Yeah, uh, one against Chelsea, one against Fulham. And Achebe looks like he's a real player for them, but he doesn't start him. So I don't. I don't think the third place up for grabs I think Fulham and Cardiff are as good as gone I'd love West Ham to be in there but they're just going to win the league now they're that team now well they've kicked on quite nicely it's yeah. interesting but it's interesting what two, what two wins back to back does for you the win for Norwich yesterday looks huge yeah. you know, four as, points clear now yeah and you look at the, ta- the, the, the 13th you know you look at the table now and it, it looks enormous for them um, I, th- I think Swansea look too good to go down yeah. um, I thought they were really impressive against Liverpool I'd be surprised if they got sucked in I wouldn't mind seeing Villa get sucked in but I don't see how it happens don't see Sunderland how maybe I don't see how Hull go down uh, does that say 54-36 it does say 
36. That's it. Break the fourth clock. wall. Say your clock by uh, our listeners now. Say your clock and see how good Neil is at getting out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think it's all. I, I I think it is whittling itself down into a, into two or three sides. It's in, I think Sunderland are fascinating all of a sudden now because they've they've had the. They've had the blast. They're now they're going to find themselves in a situation where they're going to be two games and play two games fewer. It's all this. It's a lot of the things that happen when you get relegated yeah. are suddenly happening to Sunderland. Cup final, then you know that. I mean, that, that's a natural one now, isn't it? That's almost it's almost a cliche. Cup final team goes down. Well, I, the, the other one, the, the, the Norwich thing is last four games of the season or something daft like Liverpool, Arsenal, Man City, Man United. It is. I think it's literally yeah. well the top three are Man United. Uh, I, they need to be safe by that stage. I think. Because all right, yeah. I mean, I think the decent at home. I've seen them a few times at home this season. They seem to struggle against the, the poorer sides at Carrow Road, but against the good ones like Spurs, yeah. They deserve to win two or three nil yesterday. I thought against Spurs, they were really good. They were, they were impressive quietly. I thought Norwich. Yeah. I'd like to see them stay up for a variety of reasons. I'd like to see them stay up. Um, I think that they probably need to change their approach if they do stay up going into next season. Mm-hmm. If, if, if Chris Hooten keeps them up, I'd be saying, thanks, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very kind of you, that, Chris. Um, any, any, anyway, we, we've got you a presence. It begins with P. Yeah. Um, and all that sort of stuff. I think it's, it's as mean as it sounds. I think that, you know, they should be, because they invest a little bit of money there in the summer and they, they should be doing a little bit a little bit more for themselves. Squad-wise, I, I think that, you know, there is good as any mid-table side anyway squad wise I mean but it's the fact that there isn't a mid-table side that's, yeah, true. that's the strange strange thing is that somehow this, the, 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 what's happened to the league this season sort of created this this two-tier league and you know you don't see realistically anyone catching Southampton um, you think if anything Southampton might push on up the table a little bit uh, but you know, you don't really see. You know, you don't. You you, you don't see it conversely anyone falling right out the back of the league now. I think it's been a couple of big results the last couple of weeks for Fulham and Cardiff to mm. keep them keep them in there. Uh, even if it's just a point here and there, you're still ticking over, and it means no one's really pulling away. Yeah, there's no. You normally see at this stage someone like seven, eight points adrift, but there's, there's none of that this year. Which I, I hope it stays this way right till the very final whistle because uh, it, it is fascinating stuff. And you know, every every week it's great when there's ten teams in it because every week. There's a, there's a great game between them all, isn't it? It's like we were talking about earlier in the season with the top seven or eight. Well, that's, and that remains the situation. I think with the top seven yeah. or eight, you know, you're looking up next week and you've got, you know, you've got Liverpool going to Southampton, and you're expecting that's going to be an excellent game mm-hmm. of football one way or the other. But then there's, you know, there's dogfights down at the bottom, and I, I, I just think it's, I think it's been a fascinating season. I just don't think the quality's been quite there. I still don't think any side looks looks look like champions uh, for no, a variety of reasons. Well, that's what I was going to say to you earlier in the show. I think it'd be extremely fitting if, uh, in one way or another, Liverpool the league with the defence they've got because it's just been an absolutely crazy season it's crazy that Liverpool have scored 70 goals yeah. uh, that's you know that, that with this stage and, and we forget off the back of that the first three of the of the 27 games Liverpool have played they won each of them 1-0 yeah so in the last 24 go- last 24 games they've scored 67 goals which is just absolutely huge it is mental. and if you know if you extrapolate that rate it means Liverpool break 100 mm. uh, by the end of the season which I think that they will frankly yeah. if I was making a prediction I think Liverpool will score 100 goals in the league this season um, but at the other end, I'm gonna concede us. <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna accept the. I'm gonna go with the Cardiff. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go Cardiff. I'm gonna just edge towards Fulham, and I'm think I'm sort of beginning to convince myself of Sunderland. Uh, but anyway, anyway, this has been all in the game this week. We've covered a lot of ground, indeed. Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. Next week we'll do the matter of time. But for now, time's out. <laughs> It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9.